0: So, God, we, um, we give you space to work all around us, but also we give you space to work within us. And uh, may that song be our prayer. Come, come and make the old brand new. Come and do what only you can do in our hearts and in our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. Man, I love that song. That's a good one, isn't it? You like that one? We'll probably sing that one again at some point. Um, so we kicked off this series last week, A uh, couple little uh, just pieces. We have a journal, the new journal kicked off last week. We, we give you these journals uh, to try to help us as, as a church and as people develop into the image of Christ. And one of the ways that we can do that is we can open ourselves to scripture each and every day. And uh, that's what the journals trying to help us do is to, to lean into scripture each and every day. So I hope you pick one of these up. We also in the journals have some questions like discussion questions about uh, the, the topics in the scripture that we're, we're wrestling with. And so. You can do that with your family at home or a couple of friends, or if you want to get crazy, some co-workers, you can invite them into the discussion, or if you have a group, you can do that uh, with your group. But you can pick up a, a journal here during the week or on Sunday, or we have an online version that can be edited so you can actually enter in information Uh, on that, so be sure to pick one of those up. Uh, Other little bit of info, in just a few weeks, October the 11th, I believe it is, it's a Sunday, we're gonna move back to two services uh, to give a little bit more space in the room. And uh, so the, the 11th is the day we'll have two services. Now, I thought that my late attenders The ones who like to sleep in and who have been sacrificing uh, to be here early. I thought you would go crazy with that announcement, that you would be pumped about second service. I know some of you are. It's just early, and you can't get there yet. (laughs) I know. But we're going to move back to two services, the 11th of October, and then on the 18th of October, we're going to open... Um, kind of a, a, a back patio type venue where we'll have the service from in here stream directly outside. And so for those who may not feel comfortable in an enclosed space yet, Um, we'll have the back patio available as well. So we're going to have a bunch of different options on Sunday mornings, uh, the 11th of October, 18th of October. We're moving in that direction. If you're someone who would say, you know what, Matt, this is my church home. I love this place. And if there's something I can do to help us as we expand ministry again on Sunday mornings, if you'll just email us at info at mcdowell.church, we have some spots available uh, for those who'd want to join our dream team, and the dream team is who pulls off Sunday mornings. We couldn't do this without our dream team. So if you want to be a part of the dream team, just email us info at mcdowell.church or stop by um, after the service in the connect room in the back of this room or online if you'll just uh, just chat and let Ryan know and we'll get you connected. Okay. The Shema, which was the central prayer of the Jewish people. And last week, if you were here or if you tuned in, you know that we talked about this, this concept. And it's true in business. It's true uh, for classes, education. It's true in families. It's, it's, it's really true across the board that one of the most difficult things to do is keep the main thing the main thing, right? It's so difficult if you're a business owner or a manager to keep your eye on the prize or on the goal, or to keep focused on the things that are most important. And it's difficult for families to do that, isn't it? And in the classroom education, there's so many different directions, so to keep your eye like on the goal. um, In baseball, keep your eye on the ball. In golf, you gotta keep your eye, you gotta keep the main thing the main thing. And the same is true for our faith. It's easy to get off track and to lose our way in many different discussions, which are sometimes good to have, but to not make uh, the main thing out of the small things. That's a little confusing, isn't it? But it's so easy just to lose track. Now, another little leadership axiom or idea or concept is that when you can, in leadership, if you own a business, you know this to be true. Or if you've ever run a business or you've been a manager, One of the the keys to running a business is to get employees to own their job as if the business is theirs. It's a game changer, isn't it? If you've ever managed or owned or built a business, if you can get your employees to act as though the business is, is their own, then you change the way that they work. In other words, if you can get them to love the business like you love the business, which is probably impossible, but if you can, all of a sudden, everything changes. Now, if you've ever been a kid, your parents tried to do this as they raised you, by giving you responsibility. They wanted you, they, they wanted you to learn what it meant to own things in your home and to work as though you loved those, that, that environment, that family as much as they did, right? It's why we give responsibility to our kids. It's why uh, we have our kids clean their own bathroom. First of all, because I can't enter without a mask anyway. Second of all, (laughs) is because we want them to treat the bathroom as if they own it, not as if somebody else owns it and they just use it every day. Are you with me? Parents, come on, somebody. If they have to clean the toothpaste off of everything every day, they'll be a little bit more careful with the toothpaste. It just is a game changer. And in the faith, in following Jesus, if we can get back to the main thing, if we can prioritize something, and we'll get there, we leaned into it a little bit last week, if there's something that we can prioritize, if we can begin to love something in a new way, it'll be a game changer for the kind of lives that we're living. And that's what I want to talk about uh, a little bit This morning, because at the center of faith and at the center of God himself, there might be a lot of questions and discussions about God and about faith, but here's what we know, is at the center of who God is, God's essence is love. It is love. And maybe in the past, you've had someone who's in some way instilled in you as that, that, that maybe God wasn't purely love, that he was love but something else, and so there was this divided God, and you weren't quite sure if God really loved you unless you did certain things or acted in a certain way or you showed up at church or you gave money or something like that. Listen, I want you to know and I want you to hear today if you miss everything else, the essence of God and the center of our faith is love. And when we lose track of that, we lose track of God. Now, come on. At the center of God, love isn't just something that God chooses to do, or it's not just one of his activities. At the center, at the essence, the core of who God is, is love. And the reason God loves is simply because of it. it's who he is. And... uh it's, it's, it's why in, in the Old Testament, this, this prayer, this Shema, which really formed the people of Israel or was meant to form the people of Israel. Uh, it's, it says this, hear, O Israel. In other words, listen up, pay attention, Israel, or, or, or act in such a way that this is, this is true. Live your lives as if this is true. The Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And the Jewish people, for thousands of years, this was their prayer in the morning, and this was their prayer in the evening, and we've got some uh, ideas in scripture that it also became their midday prayer, so maybe three times at a minimum a day they prayed this prayer. Listen, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God, because it began to frame them in the way that I live my life, I should live in such a way that I'm loving God with my heart, with my soul, and with my strength. And so when Jesus was asked the, qu- the question, he was, they, were, they were trying to trick him and lean him in a direction, and they said, what's the most important commandment, Jesus? Do you remember this story? What is the most important thing? Like, if we forget everything else in the Bible, which they weren't going to do, but if we forget everything else in the Bible, what is the one thing that we should hold on to? In other words, when you're sitting in your ninth grade math class and your teacher kind of goes off on a tangent and you raise your hand and you go, is this going to be on the test? Because if it's not, I don't care about square roots. I just don't, right? And so, you know, Jesus, what's going to be on the test? Like, what is central? What's primary? What's the most important thing? And Jesus replies, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. Don't miss that. That you can give your heart and your mind and to many different things, but there is only one true God that can lead to life, and that is our God. Don't miss that. He's the one true God. So... Love the Lord your God. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, Jesus adds a second one onto it. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. These two, these two, like, create this hinge on which everything else hangs. One of the authors says that. These are the two on which everything else in the Bible, like, this is the core and the central understanding that we as people of faith should pursue. Now, how many of you would agree that language matters? <laughs> yes, language matters. Like how we understand what we're saying, what we're saying, words make a difference. The words that we use make a difference. Sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a, that's the worst thing we could ever teach our kids. It's just not true, is it? It's just not true, because words matter. In fact, uh, scripture says that, that words have the power of life and death, and we all know that to be true. Someone who said something to us that we can't get out of our minds and it leads us to almost like a death, like a, phys- like a, like a, like a death in our life. Or someone who spoke words that, hey, you have so much potential. It led us in a good direction, right? Words matter, and the way that we use words matter. Now, I want to do a a quick dive into the words of this prayer and the most important commandment. Can can we nerd out just for a second? Are we okay nerding out online? Stay with me just a couple minutes. And then um, if you don't nerd out with me a couple minutes, then I'm going to push a little bit. Is that okay if I push a little on all of us, myself included? Some of you aren't sure. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. So let's nerd out for a minute. The word love, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, "Ahaba" is the the Hebrew word here. Now, love in our language is a terrible word. Some of you are like, no, it's not. It is, it's a terrible word. It's clunky, it's misused. Listen, let me give you an example. Um, Have you ever said... I love tacos. Anybody ever said that? I love tacos. Anybody love tacos? What about pizza? How many of you love pizza? Burgers? Any burger fans? How many of you have ever said, I love asparagus? No, we would never use that word with asparagus. Okay, two of you. Okay, love. I love tacos. I love tacos. And then we look at our spouse and we say, I love you. And then our kids like the first time you hold your child you're at the hospital and your first child and you're holding you're like oh my gosh I never knew I could love something so much and I love tacos too but I love you <laughs> Like we have so many words in the English language and love is a clunky one it's 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 a terrible word because we throw it together with all these different things and then we feel something inside when we're teenagers in middle school. Come on middle schoolers in the room or high schoolers, we there's some kind of a feeling and we're not quite sure really what's going on within us and so then what comes out of us is we say to someone I love you. And you know, I like do we really or do we just love tacos? I don't know. It's just a clunky word. Are you with me? The Hebrew word love had some like strength behind it. And it didn't just mean some sort of emotional feeling or some, something going on in here. It was like attention and affection and commitment and sacrifice. When, when scripture says that God loves you, it means that God gives you his attention, and his affection which is a weird thing to think about but there's even an old test in the, in the old testament it says that god sings songs over us that's weird but it's like his affection towards us like god loves us that much and he is committed to us and he's not just committed but he sacrifices on our behalf that that's love right attention affection sacrifice commitment all of that like that wraps up it's not like god loves trees like he loves you. It's just not true. Those are two very different things, right? Are you with me? So when it says that we should love the Lord our God, this idea of love is much deeper than how we usually use the word. With me still? Okay, so love him with all your heart, lev, is the Hebrew word here. Heart, um, we understand the heart is kind of this, like it it pumps blood throughout our body and keeps us alive. But we understand it in the ways that we use it as like the emotional center of us, right? But in the Hebrew uh, thinking and, and writing, like the heart was about the emotions and the intellect. They didn't have an idea of what the brain was, and so they tied it all together with the heart. So you make your decisions not in your head because they didn't have that concept. You make your decisions Where? in your heart, right? So loving the Lord your God with all your heart didn't just have to do with like, oh, I feel this deep love for God. It was like, I'm gonna make decisions that reflect my attention and my affection for God. Are you with me? Doesn't that kinda change the way that we see that? Like loving with your heart is also like making decisions, it's thinking. Okay, the next word, soul, nefesh. If I asked you before we put it on the screen, if I would have asked you what we meant by soul, um, many of us would have said, it's like a ghost. It's like the core of who you are, but it's very non-physical, right? Like your soul is kind of floating out there, and when you die, your soul lives maybe, and we have these ideas of like the soul is a ghost. Are you still with me? I told you I was gonna nerd out for a couple of minutes, but the literal translation of nefesh, which is soul, is throat, your throat which is a little weird. Love the Lord your God with your throat. Huh. And you might think that that means your words, but it doesn't. Uh, nefesh also referred to, your, your throat is like the physical thing that kind of keeps you alive. Your food passes through there, air comes in and out. And so your, th- your throat, nefesh, is your entire physical being. So love the Lord, go with me here. Love the Lord your God with everything internally your heart which is your affections your emotions and your decisions but also love him with your whole physical self not some like uh dephysicalized being that floats around not your ghost you don't need to love the lord your god with your ghost that's not how they understood soul are you still with me the ghost thing's going to lose some of you sorry about that and then love him with all your strength meod This word in Hebrew, in the Bible, almost always is translated very. Very. Do you remember when God created the heavens and the earth? Do you remember that story? God creates everything, and then he gets to the last day, and he looks at everything that he's made, and every day he's like, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then the very last day, he says, this is very good. That's meod, very good. So love the Lord your God with all your decisions, your heart, your emotions. Love him with your physical being and love him with your very. Wow, Moses was just not good at English, which he wasn't because it was Hebrew. (laughs) That's a bad like joke, sorry. Anyway, love him with your, what would this mean? Love him with your very, love him with your oomph. Or love him with your abundance. What isn't included in your internal being or your physical self, love him with that too. There is even some idea, and I know we don't like to talk about this in church, but like love him with your possessions, like the extras all around you. Oh, some people check out when I start going there. They're like, "Okay, Matt, I can love him with my heart," and but if you're going to talk about money, I don't want to love him with my money. That's not what the sermon's about. You can skip that if you want, but it's true. Like it's saying, like, love God with all that's internally, all your physical being, and also all your extra, your oomph, your very. Love God with your very. Who wants to love God with your very? Anyway. Now, so that's some background. And it should change the way that we understand what, when God loves us, what what our return is to him. How we, we, we give ourselves back to him. And I think if you've like ever entered into this like committed relationship with another person and you experience this kind of sacrificial, committed love, like when you experience that, it causes you to want to return that, doesn't it? Like when you feel and see and experience love from another being, it causes you to want to, in return, your your natural inclination is to give that same thing back. Um, I, I talked this last week. I spoke with the, the our marriage group that is meeting, which is awesome. It's such a great group of people. Who, it's called Reengage, who are working on their marriages. And we talked about grace. And when you experience grace, it's a lot easier to give grace to someone else, isn't it? Like, don't nudge your spouse right now. That's not helpful. But when you experience grace, when you when you begin to let it rest on you, it's a lot easier than to to to, to dispense grace to other people, isn't it? The same is true of love when you begin to experience it. And that's why in the New Testament, John wrote this. He said, this is real love. It's not that we loved God. It's not that that was the initiator, that, that I chose to love God, but that he loved us and that he loved us so much that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, that language right there, a sacrifice to take away our sins, sometimes that catches us in this old religious mindset, and we kind of just check out there. But what if we said it this way? That God sent his son as a sacrifice to reset our lives, or to remake our lives, or to renew or redeem our lives. It's just a little different way to understand that he sent his son as a sacrifice. I'm not kind of changing the theology behind it, just the way to to think about it, to reset us or to remake us, to redeem us, to start something new in us. Like he sent his son, like this is love, that that he sent his son self-sacrificing, committed, God is love, John goes on, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. We love because he first loved us. Now, I realize not everyone in this room or connected online, I know not everyone is a, is, is a, a follower of Jesus. Some aren't even sure if you believe in God. And I'm so glad you're, you're kind of leaning in here at McDowell. Wherever you are in your journey of faith or lack of faith, I'm just glad that you're here. And I want you to know this, that any time, and I think parents can understand this at a, at a, at a pretty deep level, anytime time that you've felt and expressed this kind of sacrificial, committed love, like God has been near to you. Like holding your child for the first time, that feeling that you have, that, that decision that you make within you that you'll do anything for this child, that is God in you. Whether or not you believe in him or you're sure about him, like that feeling that is overwhelming, isn't it overwhelming? Those of you who have had children, it's so overwhelming. Like that, that's God in you. And it's like this breath of fresh air, it's like this newness. Every time Jesus prayed, in the New Testament. You know what word he used for God? There's only one that he didn't, but Father. And the word is Abba, which is like Daddy to us. He called God like Daddy or Abba, and he teaches us to pray in the same way because he wants us to understand the love that God has for us. He wants us to lean into the love that God has for us. He wants us to understand that when God looks at us, when God looks at you, he is so overcome with love. His attention is toward you. His affection is is falling out. And you may say, well, Matt, my circumstances, the circumstances that surround me, don't represent that. But I'm here to tell you, if you've ever had a child, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're going to mess up. That child is going to get hurt. There are circumstances that you will not control in order for that child to grow up. And, and God is, the, it's the same way with God. Like God isn't just like putting us in this bubble. God loves us no matter the circumstances that surround our lives. Like he looks at us with this great deal of love. and God is completely, um, don't miss this this morning. If you've like tuned out for a second, come back. Come back for a second. If, you're, if, you, if, if you got up to go to the bathroom online or you, to get a drink, come back just for a second. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this this morning. And it doesn't matter where you are in your faith journey. God is committed he is all in when it comes to his love for you he's pursuing you and he is relentless God is pursuing you and he's relentless now real quick I, I like to, to paint this picture if you're a parent or a grandparent and you have a little child walking around you are pursuing that child not because you're angry at that child You're pursuing them out of your love. You don't want them to fall and hurt them. You know, you're like walking with them, like like you're pursuing that child. Like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, like I don't want you to get into something and eat rat poison or do something that you're not supposed to do. And you're just like pursuing that child and you do not leave that child alone because you are just after that child. That is how much God loves you and you're walking through life and God is pursuing and relentless towards you. He's just relentless. And he'll use any circumstance, the joy and the pain, which we'll all experience. That's a part of the broken world that we live in. He, he's going to use any experience to get his love to you. He's going to use anything he can. Now, this next phrase, um, I, I, I wish this could settle in my heart and my mind deeper and deeper. And I, I pray the same thing for you. And here it is that God loves us, God loves me, God loves you, and He doesn't love us with human emotional love, like, he, like, like that He falls into love and He falls out of love, like that's not God. God is not going to fall out of love with you. God is committed. He is all in on you, 100 percent. Nothing that you can do that will change His love for you, he, He's all in, and in fact, Like, if we could get our mind around this, when we're at our worst, when you're at your worst, when you were at your worst, when you were at the low of the lows, and maybe you're not there yet, but when you're at the low of the lows, God gives his best to you, which is ridiculous, isn't it? When your kids are at their worst, do you give them your best? When you're at your worst, think about this. God loves you so much more than we can comprehend that when you're at your worst, God loves you with his best. And in the New Testament, the author, I think it's Paul who says, you know, when, when we were sinners, like the worst of the worst, that's when God sent Jesus at just the right time to reset our lives into something new. Like that's what God does for us. And gosh, until that begins to really sink in it's hard for us to reflect it back to God, for us to love him. And so when Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, like that's not like one of those commands that you can just force. Because it's it's, it's not until we begin to experience it that it will be truly reflective in our lives. And I think as humans, it's just too easy for us to say we love something and not really live as if it's true. So it's easy to say, I love God with everything I am, but if I haven't experienced what true love is, that love might just be like this fading emotion or it might just be this flippant thing that I say to make myself feel better. Are you with me? Yeah. Um, I've been... I've been working on just some questions and then some things maybe to help us. And here's, here's one of my questions is, are, are you all in? Like as you begin to understand that God is all in on you, are you in? Are you in? Are, are, you, are you like all in on, on God? And I think it's important every now and then just to have one of those moments where we kind of renew like our committed love for our heavenly Father, and maybe this will be one of those for you. Like, are you are you all in? And um, you know, I, I, for for many of us, it's like a daily decision, isn't it? Because it's easy to divide ourselves in so many different ways. But to say, God, I I'm all in. And this prayer that I've been kind of working on, it's it's for for me, and maybe it'll be helpful for you. For me, it's this this desire to start and end my day maybe with some framework that would help me better walk this out in the ways that jesus wanted me to and so here it is this is the prayer that i've been kind of working on and it just says father god you are the one true god and you're my father so this this understanding that god is the creator he's all powerful to start our days with this statement that god in this world I could give myself to many different things but I'm going to start with you. First and foremost, like you are the one true God, but you're not just this this god creator, you're my you're my you're my dad. You're my father. And today I will love you with my heart and my mind. my my emotions to the best that I can. I'm going to love you. I'm going to try to love you with what's inside and the decisions that I make, but also with my being. If there's an opportunity for me to physically express my love to you, I'll do that as well today. And I'm going to love you with my oomph or my very, you can fill in the blank, my very, my extra. I'm going to love you the best I can with that. And today, God, I will try to love my neighbor, the ones that you love. And that's everybody, by the way. That's not leaving anybody out. You can't pick and choose who God loves. I know some of you. I know the way that we think. It's like, well, God loves these people because they do this, but not these people. That's not true. God loves them all. So, God, I'm going to try to love my neighbor, the ones that you love, to the best of my ability to start my day that way, trying to set the tone. Maybe I wake up in the middle of the day, not like wake up, like, but like my mind is awakened in the middle of the day, and I say that prayer again, God, you are the one true God, you're my Father. I'm gonna love you with my decisions and my emotions, and I'm gonna love you with my physical body, and I'm gonna love you with my extra, and God, I am trying to love my neighbor today, but it is really, really hard. Did you see what she posted on Facebook? It's hard. I think she may be crazy, but you love her and so help me to love her too. And then at the end of the day, God, I tried to love you today with everything that I am and I made huge mistakes and I know I didn't do it well, so forgive me for where I missed, but my heart is towards you. And I tried to love my neighbor. And God, there was that moment on Shea that I just failed because everybody's coming back, and getting out of their houses. Stay, I mean, stay home, stay safe. I want to live that the rest of my life, but everybody else feels like they have to drive on Shay, And so I tried to love my neighbor, but Shay. so forgive me. And tomorrow when I have the opportunity to love, help me to love them a little bit better. Now listen, the Jewish people did this every day of their life. They prayed it in the morning. I think they started to pray it in the midday and they prayed it every night. How much different would our lives look if we began to pray this repetitive and this reminder to be all in for God and all in for our neighbors? I think it would change some things. Um, would you stand in the room uh, and we're gonna sing one last song as kind of a commitment. Would you just bow your heads? I wanna say a prayer over you before we do that. And today, maybe you're in that place where you're like, gosh, I, I've i kind of said that I love God, but today I just, I wanna, I wanna recommit myself to him. I wanna, in, in a new way, I wanna receive his love, but I also want to, to reflect it back to him. And if that's you today, uh, it's a position of the heart and the mind that allows you to do that. Anytime you turn your heart and your mind back toward God, you find that he's been pursuing you all along. So you can do that in this space and in this time, wherever you are. So Father God, as we as we pray to you, as we turn our hearts and our minds back towards you, some of us to recommit ourselves, we pray that, you, that we would find that you were there all along. We pray that we would experience your love for us, not this English word that we use, this emotional word that we use, but rather, God, we, we pray that we would feel the weight of your commitment and your sacrifice to us your attention and your affection, which is just poured out on us. And God, in response, we give ourselves back to you. We reflect that very love that you've given us. We give you our hearts today, God.